Hello and welcome back to this, the 10th episode of the Miramichi Historical Linkages Podcast. You know that because I just finished watching uh, episode number nine. Uh, maybe you did too. So that's it. Whether you've, uh, yeah, whether you've been waiting a week or whether you've just been waiting a few minutes, uh, we welcome you once again. And uh, once again, I am Sean McCarthy, joined here today by Sarah Ward, Tasha Smith, Alison Paradis, and our special guest, uh, Allison's mother, Rachel Bernard. <laughs> Rachel, welcome. Hi, thank you. Hi, Ali's mom. Hi, Ali. <laughs> so, uh, Rachel, we're, we're, I guess you're familiar, obviously, with uh, some of the work that we've been doing. Um, and we know that you've done a fair bit of research yourself uh, into, uh, into this area's past and also have worked uh, presenting that history and interpreting it to, to different people um, from outside and from inside the community. So we'd really like to kind of talk to you a little bit about that today. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, maybe, as, as they say, it's always best to kind of begin at the beginning. Um, so uh, where did this kind of research spring from and, 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 and how did you get started? Actually, this came from a project um, with Friends of Bow Bears, where the Interpretive Center is uh, in the Nelson area. And I was approached by the executive director at the time because um, the um, Acadian celebrations were happening um, worldwide, but they were happening in the Karakut region. So uh, this would have been a good time for us to... Um, uh, showcase the history, the Acadian history in the Miramichi area, where it's especially known for its Irish roots and for its First Nations roots, but maybe not so much Acadian roots. So um, for me, it was an eye opener. Uh, I, I started with little bits at a time because I wasn't sure where, and, and I'm not originally from the Miramichi area. So it was kind of interesting for me to, uh, to go through that uh, exercise, but um, I did. I, I started, like I said, little by little. Sean, you were you were somewhat part of part of that uh, creation, also. Um, I did uh, seek out. Well, you you gave me a lot of information uh, to start with. Uh, books that you had had uh, gotten a hold of from um, from France. Um, remember that? I don't know if you remember the. The manuscript that you had yeah. gotten from yeah. France, yeah. So it was, um, it was all on a US a USB stick, and it was I don't know, like a thousand pages. <laughs> Not sure. Um, and then, yeah. and then from there, I kind of took bits and pieces from there, and then ended up um, going to Fredericton to um, a gentleman who was in theater, but also did a lot of uh, re uh, history research for plays that he would write. So I started looking looking through that also, and. Uh, uh, it was really interesting. I got I, I I got to discover so many so many wonderful things about the um, the Acadian history. And since that day, every time I I speak in public or every time I talk about the Acadian history, the first thing I mention is the Acadians would not have survived one minute without the help of the First Nation when when they arrived. Mm -hmm. and, and and that's a guaranteed thing. When when I say we, because it, it's it's our our culture, our people that arrived in Miramichi, and uh, the first. Uh, First Nations people were the ones that were there helping them, helping my ancestors uh, to settle for the winter and show them how to eat off the land and how to fish and how to hunt. So um, that is something that that stayed with me from from that. Although I knew it already, this was concrete to me. So I learned a lot of things. Um, and that was in 2000, uh, 2008, 2009. 
Yeah. I just realized that our very first, I was trying to think of like, where did any of my knowledge of like, not necessarily my ancestry, like I've, you've always been um, very passionate about, uh, yeah, (laughs) I was trying to think of a nice word, Uh Uh (laughs) very passionate and vocal Mm -hmm. um, about our uh, about our culture and the importance of knowing where you come from as an Acadian um, and knowing who helped you, you know, knowing why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to think, I was like, what, but when was the first time that I really like, that it all kind of like hit me? And I realized that it was the first year that we moved to Miramichi and you were cast in the play Evangeline. Yes. And I remember watching rehearsals because I was still like nine years old. Yeah. And that was my first time seeing you on stage. And it was my first time hearing this whole story about Evangeline and, you know, like seeing it acted out in front of me. I think I had kind of forgotten that that had happened. But when I try to like trace that back to where like all of that started for me, where my passion of our Acadian history came from, it was from watching you share it. (laughs) So to know that you were also able to do something similar on Cap d'Espérance and be able to share that with other people, I have no doubt that there are other people who in years from now will say the same thing. Like, oh yeah, well, the first time I really heard about it was when we went to to see the tour at Cap d'Espérance and we got to hear that actress tell us about the story of how we got here. I'll tell you if, and that to me is probably one of the, the biggest compliment, if I, if I can call it a compliment, because um, you always hope that your kids or, or whatever you speak about um, is, is going to stick with someone. I mean, I, every time I've heard Sean speak anywhere I, I've gone, I've, I've learned a lot about the, you know, the Irish history and, and, and just the history in general of the Miramichi area things that Sean has have said, but Sean's been out there for so long that, you know, we, it's, it, and he's passionate and, and you can feel it. And I always hope that I could do a little bit of that. Um, so for you to say that, although you're my daughter, <laughs> for you to say that, it's really, really appreciated. Although. <laughs> well, I mean, because I, it's expected, it's expected that you should be complimenting your mother. <laughs> Tasha <Wow>. saying yes. <laughs> Okay. Well, humble brag there. <laughs> um, no, all, all joking aside, it's just, it's just, and it's funny because I get this passion from my grandfather. I, I, I always say that because um, my grandfather passed away when I was in my forties, and he was ninety-seven years old, and he was full of it, and um, he taught me a lot. And I always said that I would continue to whoever you know, I would, I would speak about it to whoever would want to listen. Um, so. Um, but it's interesting because th- although the play that I was doing was a fictional play, um, it was based on, on facts, on true stories, things that really happened. And there was a gentleman, um, of course, I stay in costume through, the, when I did it, it was at the Camp d'Espérance and um, Allison was actually working with us at the time. And she was, she was the, um, what would you call it? Like narrator or not narrator, but narrate, were, narrator, tour guide. Tour guide, yeah. And you would bring the just... people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was I cool. Told you stories brought people, on the boat. Exactly. So you would bring people from <laughs> from one side of the river to the other, and um, yeah. and so when I finish, when I would finish my my piece, I would run off, and I'm still in costume, so nobody would see me, and I would go back to the interpretive center and put my everyday clothes on, and try to sneak away because I 
it, it takes away from you know, the, the magical, the you know, the, the true story kind of thing. So I usually kind of step away. But this one gentleman actually saw me leaving and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, was it you that did Marie-Jacqueline Bellefontaine? I said, yes. He says, well, I just need to tell you, there's Bellefontaine's in my family. So he went on and on about the Bellefontaine history. And I thought, oh my God, this is a fictional character. I made her up. <laughs> that was between myself and Peter Pacey at the time. We were trying to figure out the name of a person that was as Acadian as possible. So, but for him, but for him, he had his, his, his ancestors were uh, Bellefontaine. So, it, you know. He's like, you're my cousin. I'm like, oh. sure, you're my cousin. <laughs> I think I disappointed him just a little bit when I said that my name wasn't really Bellefontaine, but uh, but he was like he I'm was, a Bernard. Yes, yes. <laughs> so so I, you know I have fond memories of of uh, of doing that play outside. Um, uh, it was it was uh, the reaction of the people, and I saw people cry, uh, which was really. Uh, which was really touching. Um, and I couldn't look at those people because I would talk about the sadness of, of, you know, the people that had died. But I also spoke of the kindness of, that's how I, I, I would start my play was with the kindness of the, the First Nations that um, that helped the people there. And then I went into uh, songs that were old Acadians. That was a difficult one. Trying to figure out the songs that actually existed in 1764 you know, 1760, early 60s. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was difficult to find. I did find them because they were old French songs from France that um, the Acadian people had brought over to Nova Scotia and then kept them with them. And Malison, you know, I still sing them to you once in a while. <laughs> oh, I know you do. And I sing them to my kids. Uh -huh. and, and I'm still actually right now, uh, part of the research that I'm working on is folklore and old songs that are oh, wow. that kind of stem from yeah, I should talk to you more, you know? Yeah, you should. Tell you what I'm doing in my life. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's a big part of what we're, well, what I'm doing on my side of things. But folklore is a big thing that we've all kind of been researching lately. And I know that a lot of it, I do, like, if I'm looking for kind of that starting point, I do very often think of what did my mother sing to me? And where would she have gotten it? Like you have to trace backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, thanks for singing me Acadian lullabies. And I <laughs> do it to my kids too. So hopefully one day they'll be passionate about Acadian history and they can keep sharing all of that knowledge. And they were very but... simple, very simple songs when you think of, of you know, when yeah, you think they're back stories. Songs. Yeah, they're, they're just stories. Yeah. Um, and, and some of them, I mean, I remember, you know, the the... Le, le voyageur, le, le coureur des bois, and and, yeah. and I think Sean, you know that term also. Is there were songs about the coureur des bois? Nobody knew really what a coureur des bois was. It was actually someone who was kind of um, bartering. He he would go from from one village to another. Sometimes he was crooked, and sometimes he wasn't. <laughs> you you had the good uh, the the good entrepreneurs, and then and then the bad ones. But uh, coureur des bois is what they were called. They would go from, and so there are a lot of songs about that too which is very old. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I have so many fond memories. And I did go, um, I did go one year to uh, Bonaventure on the Quebec, uh, on the Quebec side. So I'm originally from Dalhousie and um, Dalhousie is on the north shore of the province. And the Acadian presence there is not, um, I shouldn't say not as strong. I mean, Acadians are there for sure, but we're next to the uh, um, Quebec border. 
So um, for us to, to learn about our Acadian history, uh, it's a little easier as you go down the province because you get closer and closer to the Nova Scotia border where the Acadians originally settled. So a lot of them, when they when they left, when they were able to flee um, uh, Grand Prix, a lot of them ended up in Nemrumcook and Shidiac and along the water everywhere and up to Miramichi. And from Miramichi is where they kind of dispersed a little bit. Some of them went back down south, some went up north. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm from one of those families that was up north. And um, so I did get a chance to go to Bonaventure and there are many Acadian families there that settled. And uh, I was able to tell the story of uh, Marie-Jacqueline Bellefontaine in a, you know, in a more fun environment. But I also talked about uh, the rich history of Acadians in the Miramichi area. And I, and I always like saying that because, uh, like I said, people expect to hear more because, you know, when you when you arrive in the Miramichi area, what do you see is the, the big tank with the, the Irish, <laughs> Canada's Irish capital. So, and, 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 you know, they leave it at that. So they think that, that um, Miramichi is known for that, which they are, but there's so much more history than uh, than the Irish, you know, that's just bonuses left and right. When you there are four there are four cultures here that are that are um, uh, the first the first cultures that were in Miramichi, and that's you know the First Nation and Acadians and Irish and Scottish. So um, we're one of the lucky cities. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, and I think Rachel, a lot of the work that you were doing. You know what I mean? I think was was uh, again speaking as somebody who was at Bowbears Island, you know, before, during, and after. Um, you know that was a key part in connecting a lot of other communities in New Brunswick and elsewhere in Quebec and in Nova Scotia to Miramichi as a place where they could, you know, come to understand chapters maybe that they hadn't known of their own Acadian history. The number of people that would come in afterward, you know, um, from the, you know, the four, the four or so years that you were presenting. And then, you know, when uh, Ronnie Gilles Leblanc published his, his book with, with kind of a, a listing of all the people that he knew who were at, at Le Comte d'Espérance, you know, really, um, it allowed a lot of people to really kind of connect their stories to the story that we were telling in your story, really, the, the story of Marie-Jacqueline Bellefontaine, you know, and, and I think that really kind of made uh, made it very special for a lot of people. So I think you were very much at the cutting edge of, uh, of that, you know, revival, as it were, uh, and maybe that, re that, that new understanding of that story. It was such a great project to work on. I mean, it was... Um... It, you know, it, there was a lot, of a lot of background work, of course, for through the winter before we started, and um, mm. so many surprises for me. Uh, you know, as I as I was going through some of the history um, history books that I was able to get a, a hand on, um, read a lot on the internet. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, no, it, it was. Uh, it, it, I'm glad. I'm happy that I was part of something like that. Uh, it was such a you know beautiful time uh, for me to be able to uh, to really connect with people because because it was part of my history. It made it easy to be um, emotional in my character because sometimes you know as actors or in, when you're on stage uh, you're told to do things on cue and it and it's okay you can do that. I mean you know when you've been on stage long enough, but um, when it's really when it really comes from your own roots. It's it's easy to get emotional and 
get carried away into the story. So, um, yeah, th thank you. I uh, thank you for bringing all this back because it's been a while since I was able to talk about it. Um, I say that yet I've seen myself um, going through, um, I don't know, I'm meeting new people at the Café Beausoleil or whatever and telling about our history. And, they, you know, they've said to me, like, what do you mean your history? I said, well, do you have half an hour? And I would drive yeah. them to Wilson's Point and I would actually mm. not reenact, but I would walk and say, this is where this happened. And, and here we believe there might be uh, graves. Uh, we don't know if there are Acadians that are buried here, but, you know, if, if you go back and you look at the history, it seems that this could happen. And I would take them by the water and I'd say, you know, just picture this full of ice in the middle of winter where the Acadians are stuck and they can't go anywhere and famine hits. And, and so and so it's just I guess it's just tattooed in my brain <laughs> i just like i just like showing this to people and and giving them you know a little bit of our history it it was to me too i think like so i had two thoughts while listening to you there the first one being that i i think at the time being like 15 16 years old uh, and watching you do your whole spiel the performance and the songs and all of this I think my mindset was of, you know, that's my mom. She's. Uh, <laughs> Were you embarrassed? Uh, uh, no, not embarrassed, but kind of just like got her part over with so we can get back on the boat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and as an adult now, I don't think I could watch that performance a single time without crying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think at the time, at the time it was typical. I was a teenager who was just like, I'm too cool for my mom. Um, you were never like that. No, <laughs> no, I wasn't bad. No, I wasn't bad. No. But I think, I don't think I was like sitting there and properly listening to what you okay. were talking about. You know what I mean? Like, because it's I, many I times, many times saying. in the summer. <laughs> And that's what I was going to say, right? The first time I remember listening word to word for word, but don't forget, I also lived with you while you were rehearsing for this and I watched it kind of come to life, right? Yeah, like true. this was you not like me for lot. me. Yeah. Right. Like if, so for me, it was kind of a, like, I knew it was coming. If I were to watch it now and watch you do it, there is a 0% chance I wouldn't cry the entire time. <laughs> and I know this because even just uh, my husband and I got married um, at Camp d'Espérance and that like it wasn't even a question. We knew immediately when we got engaged that that's where we were going to get married. And the whole time, the reason I had such a like association with that area and I had told him from the get go was because of like that area is the reason I'm here, is the reason that my family is still alive and that a lot of Acadians are still alive. And it's because of the help we received there from the indigenous community when we showed up. And so I even remember on the wedding day, like the, as you walk down the aisle, it was all these windows that you could see right onto the water. And I had a quick thought of, oh my God, if they could see us now. <laughs> like, <laughs> If they were just coming up on their boat now and just looking and being like, wow, this like, you know, this a lot of hardship and a lot of hard work. And yet we're still here. We're still alive and telling their story and all of this. So I do. I like 
I, I do think that that it's important that we keep sharing that story and that we do talk about the work that mm-hmm. you did, even though it feels like it was so long ago, because it it stuck with me forever. So, so thanks, Mom. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for rehearsing <laughs> with me too. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. The hardest part was listening to your singing. I know. I am not a singer. Although I can do lullabies, it's not that bad, but I am not a the singer. The lullabies. Yeah. You're very, no. You're I gave you that talent. You. <laughs> Thank you. It was appreciated. Yeah. So you were saying um, that there were surprises for you when you were doing research. What kind of surprises? Because I know that in our research, we've all come up with these like, these like fun fact or surprises or things that we just never saw coming. Um, and that might be my favorite part of this project, to be honest. So, do you so want I'm me to curious get, to know. Okay. Do you want me to get into that? Yeah, of course I do. Okay. So um, as I'm doing research and I, I've told you that I'm originally from Dalhousie, which is up North. So oh, you, wait, are you about to no, tell the Charlotte story? Yeah, no. No, don't no. say that. That's for the next oh, no. episode. Well, that's what I meant. I, I don't, that's what I, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Don't get into that one. Okay, no. Okay, so, no, but you know I what? I know you. So, 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 we'll skip that surprise. Um, Crisis averted, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I kept asking. We almost busted this episode into the next one, so we're all right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course I want to hear It'll be a good segue, though. That's why I asked the question. So people will be curious now. They'll want to watch the next one. Exactly, exactly. That's that's it. That's it. So, so some of the surprises. I mean, the 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 big one for for later is is an amazing story. But this one here is um, just realizing um, how people first survived because they were shown, like I said, by the indigenous people how to um, how to hunt and fish. But th- that winter was one of the harshest winter ever seen. So they could not fish like anybody else. Uh, would have done in the previous years and the hunting became scarce also because they were kind of like hidden on like an island type if you want uh, where they really couldn't go anywhere or they were afraid to go anywhere um, so I mean just to think you know we, we live in a in a technology era where you can google or youtube whatever and uh, some of the men actually ended up making a raft out of i don't know what um you know pieces of wood and bits of this and that and um decided to go to nigwak well you know you and i today if we go to nigwak it's a 20 minute drive with the tim horton cup in your hand and um but at the time it was they were gone for i i think it was i don't know five six weeks um and only, you know, a third of them came back because they couldn't make it to Nigwak. The rest of it had died. And so, you know, it's just little thing. It surprises me, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you know, the, the conditions were harsh. Uh, what they had to work with wasn't very much. Uh, they were left there on, a, uh, you know, the, the, the captain of the boat had said, you know, we'll be back with reinforcement to come and get you. And, and that didn't happen. And I just, like, what went in their minds? Like, how... How do you sit there and wait every day? And and my character, um, when people arrive, my character is working on their fire. And the fire, you know, which represents so much, the fire was actually there um, as a beacon so that the boat would see where the Acadians were. Uh, so these people said, you know, had the fire going all the time. So it's just like so many little things that that you know that put these people in survival mode that. 
maybe shouldn't surprise me, but did surprise me. And, and it was, um, it was, uh, it just kind of brings you back and makes you appreciate and be grateful and thankful for, for being here and for, um, everything that's around us right now. Yeah. I do think that if we were to, um, have like a movie made of everything the Acadians went through and that it was like a big time movie, people would not believe it was a true story because I think there was so much resiliency, um, that I, yeah, well, it just sounds fictional because it's, it's just, when I I have to tell you one little story that, and I, and that I thought was hilarious and it was not something I could use uh, in my play because it was not a regional thing. But um, I, I always say the Acadians were pretty cool because they were one of the first people to, to dress in drag um, <laughs> because back, <laughs> because what happened was um, when, when the British uh, took over uh, the Grand Prix region, they put the men in uh, boats and uh, the women were allowed to go visit and bring food because they didn't have any food. So the women would bring the basket and put women's clothing under the food. And so they would go in, bring the, their husbands, the food, the men would dress up as women and they'd all walk out together. So I, I just, I like telling that story. So they were the first to, to dress in drags. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think they were the first. <laughs> I can't, I can't say we take credit for that. We all know no, there were people it's not written in history anywhere. Dressed in drag. <laughs> no, that is not factual. Everybody, let's just take, don't let's take just that take, as true. Let's just take that claim to fame. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but but that is to me that's always been impressive too because it's like. It was that that the way of thinking of like, well, we have Forward. to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to survive. We have to find a way to stay with our wives and kids so that we can, you know, be there with them, help all of us survive together and protect mm-hmm. each other. Whatever it takes. And whatever it takes. Yeah. It's like, you know, let's that. And that was such a risk. It was yep. such a risk. Had they gotten found out, they would have gotten killed immediately. Yes. Yeah, you know, but that was the mindset of like, no, I need to stay with my family. And again, those are some of the people that are the reason we're here because mm-hmm. they were able to continue that lineage. They were able to continue their family line elsewhere after the deportation. That's right. So, anyway, I'm constantly impressed by by <laughs> what Acadians have gone through. We've got quiet because it's the end of the episode, so we oh. wait for Sean to say the goodbye words. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, with that in mind, then, uh, it doesn't get any more plain than that in terms of a cue. Uh, so uh, that's it. Well, um, like I say, we covered a fair bit of ground here, of course. Like I say, we've also laid the groundwork and sowed the seeds uh, for our next episode. Uh, and we will return next week to talk a little bit more about uh, Rachel's exciting story and, and her biggest surprise from her research, which will also lead us into uh, some other conversation uh, that that kind of surrounds the province and talks about how we uh, understand some of the places that we live even today. Uh, so with all of that, uh, we definitely hope that you will join us. If you have any stories that you would like to share with us, do please uh, reach out. If you would be interested in joining us here on this podcast and, and sharing your stories, we would certainly welcome you. Uh, 
So uh, with that in mind, uh, our contact information is available if you're watching this on YouTube in the description below. If you're not, and if you're just listening to this, this uh, be sure to uh, reach out at linkproject at bowbearsisland.ca. So uh, with all of that, uh, we bid you all a fond farewell uh, until next week when we will see you all once again. Thanks so much.